Mindfulness Mode 245. The more effectively you can communicate, the easier your needs are met, the better your relationships get. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Thanks again for joining me here, Mindful Tribe. I appreciate every single one of you. Last time, I talked with a good friend, another person I met at PodFest in Florida when I was speaking there back in February. He is from Trinidad. He's a calm, mindful person, and you'll hear that as soon as you hear his voice. You'll love his wisdom and how much he shared on the episode. And like I said, his voice is outstanding too, just amazing to listen to. Check out mindfulnessmode.com slash 244 to hear Angel Jones. Are you an Instagram person? Let me... Are you an Instagram person? It would be great to connect on Instagram. Like me on Instagram. I'm there under at Bruce Langford. Today, you're going to hear from a mind reader. He's performed in Vegas. He's been on America's Got Talent. And of course, thousands of other places too. I'm sure you'll love this interview with Jonathan Pritchard. Sit back. You are going to get a lot out of this and really enjoy it if, you, if you're anything like me. So here is Jonathan Pritchard. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I am so pumped today. We have Jonathan Pritchard with us today, and what an experience this is going to be. So, Jonathan, are you in mindfulness mode today? I would like to think I am. Yeah, well, uh, I think this is going to be so much fun. I know that you read minds. I'm going to read the bio I put together for you to share with Mindful Tribe, and here it is. Jonathan Pritchard reads minds and he's performed on vegas main stages he's appeared on america's got talent he's entertained troops stationed overseas i mean he's literally done it all when it comes to entertaining he's considered a touring mentalist all of his skills are based on applied psychology And now he'll take you behind the mental curtain and he can show you how to use the same psychology in your life. At least I'm hoping you'll show us that today. Jonathan is also an expert martial arts instructor. He thinks of the physical practice of martial arts as a moving meditation, much like yoga. So that's going to be interesting to talk about. He explains, it's all about creating and maintaining healthy boundaries and being aware of your own thoughts and behaviors. So Jonathan, we have a lot to talk about, that's for sure. But let's start with this. What does mindfulness really mean in your life and to you? Well, I am super glad to be here. And for me, mindfulness is being present in the moment and being aware of what you're doing, but consciously and non-consciously, but fully present of your intentions, your actions and their effects. Right. Well, you really have to be aware of what you're doing at any given time because you're reading minds on a regular basis. So what am I thinking, Jonathan? Let's see. It is all made up. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to talk about this. So how did you get here? I know that you were juggling, you started with juggling, and you must have loved entertaining, but you tell us. Was this just a love that you just carried through? 
Kind of. When when I was a kid, I was really, really shy. I wouldn't even ask for ketchup at a restaurant kind of shy because I, I didn't like talking to strangers. Everybody was scary, right? Mm-hmm. And And when I learned how to juggle when I was about 13 years old, it was a skill that I could demonstrate without having to engage people but still get positive feedback from them. So it was a way that I wouldn't really have to put myself out there and still get benefit. And then I go, okay, I'm juggling. Maybe I'll throw some some script into it too, make people laugh. That was even more fun. And then I recognized, okay, being in front of people and being able to speak well is an essential skill if I'm going to be successful at this stuff. So I went into debate in high school and continued in college to practice being in front of people and translate the pictures I see in my head, I think almost entirely in images. And it's difficult for me to translate those images. So it would take me three days to explain something by scribbling on the back of a napkin. So through debate, I forced myself to be able to communicate verbally with folks because, well, that's how most people communicate. Yes, it is. And so when you communicate verbally on stage, then you talk about how you can read minds and you do illustrations, you show us. And how do you do that? Well, here's every, I got to back up, I guess. Uh, A mentalist (laughs) is basically a mind reader, right? But a magician does tricks with objects and things. A mentalist is doing tricks with information, that's the big difference, right? So a lot of what I'm doing is based on body reading and understanding a person's kind of disposition and psychology based on did they laugh at my opening joke or not? Are they leaning forward? Are they leaning back with their arms crossed? Well, I'm not going to get that guy on stage because he's going to be combative, right? So there's a lot of nonverbal communication that's going on for me to know who to select for the show. Because, you know, as a mind reading show, I could tell you what I'm thinking, but that's not impressive. It's only amazing if I can tell what the audience is thinking, and therefore they are the stars of the show. I have to do everything in my power to make them comfortable and feel secure that I'm not going to make fun of them or that they're not gonna have an awful time on stage, right? So at the beginning, I've got to build trust very quickly and do that not just by telling people I love them, but showing them by respecting them, asking what their name is, not just blowing through the routine because, well, this is just what I do, right? You got to stay present on stage, engage with the people, and that's what builds an amazing relationship that leads to an incredible show that leads to people not being able to forget you for the rest of their lives. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure they'll never forget you because that's pretty amazing, you know, to, to show the kinds of abilities that you're talking about. And you say that you through those abilities, you can help us understand more about our life and how we can just really connect with those around us. How does that extend into that kind of skill? Well, how I got there was... I performed mainly at colleges and universities for the first 10 years of my career, basically, right? And I would do the show, and then there would be the autograph line, and then there would always be a couple people standing off to the side. Then they would come up and go, oh, my goodness, I can't even imagine living your life. 
Like you're living the dream. You're traveling around the world, getting to have fun. Like I can't imagine it. And then it hit me hearing enough times. I realized people literally can't imagine it, that they do not have the imagination to think outside of that standard track that we are all sold, that we work for the company and then get our gold watch and retire, then start having fun. Right. Right. So I started talking with people after the show going, well, here's how I've built my career. Here's how I have gotten paid to do something I absolutely love to do. Those were my first coaching clients. Then years later, I start getting emails from them saying, you know what? Thank you so much for taking time to talk to me. I am so happy and it never would have happened if we didn't talk. So I realized, oh man, this stuff has value. And then it extended, you know what? Doing the mind reading show helps people forget how awful their life is for an hour. But the psychology I'm using on stage is exactly what I'm using in my marketing and advertising and building relationships with clients. You know what? If I teach people these techniques and the psychology of how people work, you know what? I can do that, have fun on stage for an hour, but also give people tools that they can use to improve their life on every front. So that's how I really started transitioning over to the to the coaching and then one on one wasn't enough. So then started doing speaking engagements and started writing books. So that way I can reach as many people as possible to to help them, you know, think about things differently. That's the number one thing I hear the most often. You know what? I've never thought of it like that before. And that is music to my ears. Right. Just changing your way of thinking. And so you mentioned writing some books. So let's talk about the mindfulness that goes into that, because a lot of our listeners would love to write a book. And we all have knowledge and expertise in certain areas, but sometimes we just can't seem to get it out of our minds and onto the page. We can't seem to pull it off. What's the secret? How do you do that? Well, I I always like to say that writer's block is a luxury I can't afford. Right? It's... Mm -hmm. If you are a writer and you're getting paid to write, you know what? You show up and you write. I I really have a problem with motivational speakers, like on a fundamental level, because their job is to come in, rah-rah, get you all pumped up to do something you don't want to do, and then maybe productivity increases for a week and then it goes back down, then you got to get somebody else in, right? Right. Well, motivation is the worst way to get results. Results get you motivated. So when you're, when you're waiting to feel motivated and you think you need motivation to start writing, you're never going to write because you know what? I don't feel like it today. I'm, I'm upset about this other thing. A million excuses for why you shouldn't be writing because you know what? This is going to negatively impact my ability to write effectively. But you know what? I don't care how effectively you're writing if you're not writing. So whatever story it is that you're telling yourself why you can't just sit down and start typing those keys, that's just an excuse for you to not do the thing you're scared of. So I like to think of it like resistance training. The only way I'm going to get muscles is by working with resistance. The easiest thing in the world is to sit on the couch and not do anything, but that's not going to get me muscles. The only way I get stronger is by working with more and more resistance. So when you identify that resistance to whatever it is that you know you want to be doing, that's a really good indication that you should just 
shut up and do it anyway. And then once you've done it, you go, oh, man, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was. And look at I wrote a whole page today. Even if it's just a page, that's still a page more than you got yesterday. So then you'll go, I wonder, can I get two pages tomorrow? And then you'll start building that momentum and working with that resistance. So anytime you feel that procrastination setting in, you go, okay, what am I trying to avoid? I need to do that right now. And a lot of reasons that people have are, well, I've got a family or I've got friends and obligations and they're you're putting their well-being before your own. Your friends love and care about you. They want you to be firing on all cylinders. They want you to be happy and whole. Take some time to take care of yourself. Right? Put your own oxygen mask on first. Do what you need to do. And then when you show up as a friend, as a family member, you're going to be so much more present, so much more calm and there for them. And that's the best way to show up as a human being. Well, I love what you've said. You know, this is just brilliant because I think the thing is sometimes, you know, we just have to be that blunt with ourselves. And you said, shut up and do it. <laughs> you know? And it sounds blunt, but you, you mentioned about our story. We're all repeating this story over and over and over again. And like you said, shut up about your story and do your thing, right? And, exactly. And I think sometimes we overcomplicate these things. Exactly. Like waiting for the stars to align. They're like, no, you do it or you don't do it. Like that's the only universe that we live in is the universe of cause and effect. Not hoping, wishing, and praying. What are you doing to get the results you want? Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Right. You know, it's it's awesome to, to talk to you because, you know, you mentioned no matter what part of your life you want to improve, thinking like a mind reader will help. So how do we think like a mind reader? That's what I want to know. All right. So I'm I'm weird. I get that. And <laughs> a here's the here's the mental framework, like the the heuristic. Right. Uh -huh. To to approach things with. Um, I always like to explain every magic trick you've ever seen and will ever see. And this mental model gives you the understanding of how people navigate reality. And once you understand that, you'll see how you do it in your own life all day long, every day. You literally can't not do this, right? So here's every magic trick you've ever seen. The magician creates a context through his words, actions, time of day, place it's happening, everything goes into creating this context for the audience to make logical assumptions about what's happening that are later shown to not be true. Right. All right. So it's kind of like if you've ever walked up stairs and you think there's one more stair, but there's not, and it's so disorienting, right? You've got a mental. It totally is. Yeah. It's not a pleasant experience, right? No. Be because you think there's an extra step, but there's not. Reality yeah. doesn't care what you think, but you behave in accordance with your beliefs. And if those beliefs are not in alignment with reality, that space between what you think and reality in the, in the context of a magic show, that's a wonderful experience. But in the context of your life, that's an awful experience. So that context that you understand your life within is built off of previous experience built off of the beliefs 
based on those experiences. But here's the really weird thing. Your mind actively filters out more information that it lets in. And it does it based on what it thinks you find valuable. So you are looking for reasons to support what it is you already believe based off of experiences that you think are important before you're aware you're even doing it. So it's a recursive experience where you think all people are awful. So then you notice the times where they're awful, which reinforces the belief that they're awful, which reinforces your mind only looking for those examples. So that's why you don't see the world as it is. You see the world as you are. And once you understand that that is fundamental to the human experience, you can start deconstructing a lot of these beliefs that you have about how the world works, challenge them, find evidence to the contrary, then build a belief structure that supports you and encourages you and helps you achieve whatever it is that, that you want to do. This is this is so clearly explained. I really appreciate that, Jonathan, because it is. It's all about our beliefs, our belief system, just as you've described. Now, just transitioning a mm -hmm. little bit, you're into martial arts in a big way. Yeah. And I'd like you to tell us about that, the connection between martial arts and everything else you do and how martial arts helps you be a mindful person. Absolutely. I got started about seven years ago. I mean, I was in a Kung Fu class for about six months when I was in high school. Uh, it wasn't really a good fit. And then seven years ago, I found my my teacher and, and we're both uh, very kind of scientifically minded. We like to know what's real, that kind of thing. And it's a, a flavor of Kung Fu known as Wing Chun, which is what Bruce Lee learned to be Bruce Lee before he went out on his own and created his own thing. And it okay. was it was created by a woman a long time ago. So it's it doesn't rely on strength and and muscles. It's more about technique and understanding the principles that govern human interaction. Then your postures are based on expressions of those principles. It's not like you're trying to emulate a tiger or be strong like right it's more of here are the principles that govern nature. Here's how your body can express those most effectively. And that's how you're going to maintain your boundaries. So it's not learning how to impose your will on other people. It's more about learning how to establish and maintain your personal boundaries and developing a sensitivity for when somebody's trying to, to push through those boundaries. But you know, they wouldn't get hurt if they weren't trying to destroy my boundaries. And it's right. just that I know how to maintain my boundaries. They're attacking me, trying to get into my personal space. And if they weren't trying to do that, I couldn't hurt them. So it's not that I'm hurting them. They're hurting themselves on my integrity. That's why a lot of bullies, a lot of people who aren't used to experiencing boundaries will blame you for hurting them when it's really them hurting themselves through a lack of integrity. So the practice of doing that stuff, you've got to be incredibly present. There's a, there's a concept I like to call real time and echo time. Echo time is the time of thinking, reflecting on what has happened. And anytime you're thinking, you're not present. 
because you are reflecting on what has already happened. That's where most people live, right? They are experiencing reality in echo time. Mm -hmm. But if you train to be totally present and being aware of what that other person is doing, not what they say they're going to do, not what you believe they're going to do, but being totally present with what they are actually doing, you can learn to respond in real time. But to that person, it feels like you're clairvoyant. It feels like you know what they're going to do before they do because you kind of are because the body informs the mind of what's going to happen. There's a, a great book. I think it's something like You Are Not So Smart, which is a, a book all about weird mental hiccups. And they, they have this weird experiment where they have a button hooked up to a light. You push the button and the light flashes. Over time, the experimenters would introduce a delay between when the button is pushed and the light flashes. But your brain has already figured out that button push equals light flash immediately. And your brain works to maintain that perception. So it delays your perception of the light flashing to match the, the push of the button, right? But then the, the experimenters remove the delay so then to you, it feels like you're about to push the button and the light flashes right before you do. And it's this really weird precognitive experience, but really it's your brain delaying your perception to fit its idea of reality. Like that is mind blowing to me, right? Yeah, so, it totally is. So that happens in martial arts, right? If you're thinking about what you're going to be doing, you were, you're a half second behind what's actually happening. So when you dial into reality and you're totally present, you are responding to things that other people aren't even aware of yet. So that on a high level is sensitivity to reality. Right. That's fascinating. And meditation for you is very closely related to all this. I want you to explain to us your form of meditation and your thoughts on meditation. Gotcha. I, for a long time, was doing Zazen, like seated meditation, just you sit on the cushion, stare at the wall. And your mind, it, it drives it crazy because your mind comes up with all sorts of reasons why you should be doing anything else other than sitting and staring at this wall. And every minute you sit there doing absolutely nothing is one more minute you've developed self-control because you've chosen to sit there and you aren't letting your thoughts and your imagination call the shots anymore. And you start to realize that using your thoughts and beliefs as excuses for your behavior is one of the worst things that you can possibly do. So you start to uncouple your choices from your momentary reasoning and momentary desires and cultivate that personal self-control. It's really neat because way back in the day, right, martial artists, Shaolin monks, right, they practice seated meditation, but also the martial arts aspect of it is a moving meditation. It is a total focus on personal control in the moment. And being aware and choosing what it is you're going to do instead of just running on autopilot, right? So you're taking time to kind of encode your body and your mind 
with the proper beliefs, the proper responses to maintain integrity. So the moving meditation part of it is just as significant as just sitting there and looking at a wall. How long do you meditate for each day? I, I wake up and I stand by the bed and I go through my form. So at least five minutes every morning, that's how I start. And, and it's kind of a moving meditation. Once a week, I'll go through the whole system. I'll spend a couple hours training. But every morning, no matter if I'm on the road or at home, that's what I do. And then I, I do my Kung Fu. Then three days a week, I do my body weight exercises. Then I'll write. Then I'll check Facebook and my phone, that kind of thing. But I've turned off almost all my notifications. People can't get my attention without my consent. I, I hate when other people can get my attention without my approval because my focus is the most important thing to me. Being able to focus and get really into writing or creating something of value for the world, that is the most important thing that I could possibly do. Somebody posting on Facebook, that doesn't matter. Right? That doesn't move the needle. That doesn't help humanity. That doesn't help people see the world better. Right. So I literally cannot afford to allow other people to dictate how I spend my time and attention. So for me, that's just another part of maintaining my boundaries by not allowing people to because, man, it, it's so difficult to get in the groove. And once you're fully in, engaged with the task and you got all these puzzle pieces in your brain that you're trying to hold together, then the phone rings man, I just lost two hours of work trying to get back to that point. And it was about, are you happy with your cell phone service? It's like, oh, that was not worth it. So Yeah, and we should all apply those principles, shouldn't we? Because we all have value to add to the world, whatever it is that we're doing. And then if we just suddenly allow ourselves to be interrupted by something like that, we are not giving that value to the world. We're cheating people out of our value. Right. And whatever reason you out there in podcast land are thinking about, well, it's easy for him because X and not easy for me because Y. That's exactly the kind of excuse that I'm talking about. Right. Because I grew up in a single wide trailer on a dirt road and my dad worked in a factory until the day he retired. My mom's a secretary. They didn't pay my way through college. Right. So whatever idea of, well, maybe he was just born with it. Not at all. I've had to work very hard to create this life and everybody through their choices are creating the lives that they're living. So you've had a good share of challenges as you've moved your way upward and forward. Oh yeah. Tell us about some of those challenges after you were, you were trying to get on stage, you were trying to make some money. Tell us about that. Yeah. I've, I've been broke for a long time, right? Before you figure out how the money machine works, had my car repossessed twice, talked my way out of it both times. One time was on my sweetie's birthday. So we walk outside and my car has gone. Go, oh, no. You want to talk about feeling like a failure? That's it, man. That's it. Yeah. So, I mean, I've functionally been homeless, kind of lived out of my car. I explained it away by going, well, I'm on tour, so it's okay. No, I was basically homeless, right? 
so it's, it's all lessons I've learned the hard way. And what it all boils down to is the quality of your decision making, right? You are creating your reality through the choices you make. And most people lack the sensitivity to understand the consequences of their choices. So it looks like random stuff happens, but that's solely because they lack the skills to understand that every action you take has an equal consequence. And the sooner you realize that, you know what? That's karma. Karma is life physics as multiplied through time. That's it. That's all it is. There's no mystical power to it. It's just decision-making physics. And people don't take time to study that. Therefore, they don't understand it, so they don't see it. And then they think it's all made up. Every action you take has an equal consequence. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's powerful. That's very, very powerful. Well, yeah, you've had a lot of challenges. I want to talk to you about the topic of bullying. I've worked in that field for a long time, and, and a lot of people don't understand the connection between bullying and mindfulness, but there's a, a tremendous connection how you know we can deal with our lives much, much better if we understand mindfulness. Do you have a story about bullying? Were you bullied or were you ever a bully? yourself. I I definitely was bullied in elementary school. Being quiet, being weird, right? I was easy prey, basically. And there was a, a guy that used to call me names and I was a very sensitive child. So I would come home crying, right? And yeah. just kind of learn to endure it was the the path that I chose. Right. And kind of later in life, I, I've come to understand, you know, that that makes more sense for them than it does me, right? It says more about them than my self-worth or my ability to do whatever, right? So understanding that it's not a commentary on my skills, but also, you know, really truly believing that everybody is doing the best they know how, even the bully, right? That's the best way they know how. And a lot of times I've, I've thought about it, I feel like a lot of bullies feel like they're doing you a favor, right? You're weird. You're, you're weak. You know what? People are going to take advantage of that. So you need to toughen up. So I'm helping you. This is how I know how to help you. Totally misguided. Maybe not the most effective way to do it. But when you kind of wrap your head around that, you, you understand that, oh, they are trying the best that they know how. And in some bizarre leap of logic, they think this is the best thing to be doing right now. That's really difficult for kids to, to handle, man. Like, yes, that, that is a level of awareness and presence that boy, we aren't taught in school like that. <laughs> that is not, not, uh, what is culturally approved of. That's not the, the appropriate responses that are encoded in our media and all that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, you're so. right about that. Yeah, for sure. Jonathan, as we move toward the end of the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. And the first one is, who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness? I would have to say Robert Persig, who wrote Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Just that ah. that book as a literary work of art is gorgeous as a thoughtful meditation on the nature of being is gorgeous. 
And there's a particular passage in that book where a writing student is saying, I don't know what to write about. I can't, I don't know. And then he says, all right, write about a particular building on main street. And the person's like, well, I I don't know what to write about. He goes, all right, um, write about the door or something more specific. And they go, I don't know. He goes, okay, write about a specific brick in that building. Just write about that one brick. And then the person goes, oh, and just can't stop writing. Right. So (laughs) if you can't find your creativity, you can't find your mojo, it's because your focus is too broad, right? Narrow your focus, put all of your energy and awareness into one thing. When you're washing dishes, wash dishes. When you're cooking, cook. When you are being present with your friends, be present with your friends, not somewhere else in your head. Great advice, Jonathan. I really appreciate all the advice you're giving us throughout this interview. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? It has really helped me not use my emotions as justification for poor behavior. I like to think about emotions more as a barometer for how well my needs are being met. And that's it. Then thinking about, all right, so that's the need that's not being met. What's the the best way? What's the best strategy that helps the most people to get what it is that I need right now? Instead of just lashing out or being grumpy for no reason. And right. It's all based on communication skills. The more effectively you can communicate, the easier your needs are met, the better your relationships get. All right. Uh, Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness. Oh, man. We think we're really good at it because it's something we do all the time. But, oh, Lord, we're really bad at breathing. (laughs) Just (laughs) really just focusing on your breathing and doing deep breath exercises. Breathing is your link between your conscious mind, which is such a small part of your awareness, and your physical being that is you. Breathing is kind of the bridge between those two. So the more you focus on your breathing and practice your breathing, the better you get at being in your body instead of feeling like you're just this brain driving this big meat puppet. Well, Jonathan, you've mentioned a couple of books throughout the interview, but do you have any other books you would mention as a book which you would really recommend, which is sort of based on mindfulness or connected to mindfulness? Weirdly enough, Think and Grow Rich is almost entirely about mindfulness and the power your thoughts have to shape your reality because of how they influence your choices. Like, In one way, your thoughts are the most powerful thing in your life, and in another way, they're completely meaningless insofar as what actions do you take. So you can influence your thoughts by just behaving differently, and those different behaviors will get you different results. So using your creativity to come up with more interesting behaviors is really what gets you rich in the long term. Good advice again. Can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful? I I love, love, love the Google environment. Like whole hog. I'm all for the digital future where robots take care of everything and I just get to lounge by the pool. I'm all for it. So for me, my favorite mindfulness app is Google Keep. I keep oh. all of my random thoughts right there. So I store most of my brain in my phone. 
and it allows me to not be worried with, with stress and recurring thoughts. I go, oh, I keep having this thought. Let me write it down. And that part of my brain that's trying to help me not forget this thing because it's worried about me, right? I put it in my phone and that part of my brain can relax. And I now know where it is, but it's no longer in my conscious awareness, keeping me separate from being here, right? So it just helps me get those thoughts out, keep them organized in a place where I can find them later if I ever want to. And I never do, but they're all there. <laughs> <laughs> you can go back and look if you want to. Well, that's, that's awesome. Now, Jonathan, how can we connect with you? How can we learn more about what you do and about your life? Yeah, the I, I've built a hub where everything I do is is basically living there. And that is like a mindreader.com, right? Because I help companies uh, negotiate like a mind reader, market like like blank like a mind reader is the idea behind the project. So there you can find uh, learn like a mind reader because once you understand how your brain acquires skills and knowledge, you can use that very quickly to acquire new skills. So you've got more time to apply them to get more time for their benefits, right? So you've got learn like a mind reader, perfect recall, which is kind of an explanation of how your memory works and how poorly it works, right? You you think you remember your fifth your fifth uh, birthday party in perfect clarity, but you don't, right? So it, it shows people, here's how memory actually works. And then once you know how it actually works, you can make it work for you. And uh, I'm just about to launch Think Like a Mind Reader, which is basically those conversations I was having with people after the shows for the past 20 years, the same 20 conversations I've been having in different forms, I've put them all into one book. So that way you can have those conversations with me without me having to be there. So that'll be that'll be on the, the site soon. So I don't know when you're out there listening to this, but it should be on the site too whenever it's ready. Well, that's exciting. And do you have a date for that yet? Soon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's uh, it's through first round um, editing yeah. and that kind of stuff. But I would sure. like to launch a Kickstarter to get people kind of extra goodies of being in on the ground floor, right? So I want to run the whole Kickstarter to allow people to collaborate with the project in a way that you won't get to once it's in ink and paper. So that right, for sure. I want to launch that first then print it with the, the names of everybody that's involved right there in black and white. Right. Well, I'll put this all in our show notes, Mindful Tribe, right there at mindfulnessmode.com. You can check it all out and uh, find out more. So this is really exciting. Thanks so much for sharing your time with us today, Jonathan. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you for allowing me to share my thoughts and what it is I was put on this earth to do. Yeah, for sure. Well, you have a great rest of your day. Thanks again, Jonathan. My pleasure. Yep. Bye now. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.